0: Our goal must be to know and to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. As we talked about a few weeks ago, to be rooted and grounded in him. To have this amazing relationship. To pursue him. To run after him. To seek him with all our heart. Our life must be about getting to know him. Because as we heard with what Cheryl shared and with what Michelle shared, he loves us. And he wants to spend time with us. And he wants to have this amazing relationship with him, with us. We're to get to know him. We're to spend time with him. And I like how it says it in Psalm 46.10, reading from the ESV. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. There's something precious and something special about taking time each day to just rest before the Lord and to allow Him to speak to you, to minister to you. So as that goes on, Each and every moment, you get to know him more and more and more. Now, he's infinite. So we have an amazing future to where we can spend, even into eternity from my perspective, knowing who he is. Be still and know that I am God. Now, why? Well, we we live in this amazing age. We've lived in this age where we've conquered space. We we live in this age where, where we have instant communication. Some of it bad. Some of it good. We live in this age where people want instant gratification. It's a microwave society. They don't want to wait. You know, and that's one of the things, that's one of the problems because so often with the Lord, He wants you to wait because He's doing things in your life, even in those hard times. He's doing things in your life. You know, Romans eight twenty-eight. He uses all things together for good, for those who love Him and call according to His purpose, that He's wanting you to just rest in Him and to trust Him that He will take care of the situation, whatever that is. We live in an age where truth is whatever you choose it to be. We live in an age where critical thinking has gone by the wayside. Somebody says it, it's got to be true. If I believe it, it's got to be true. Instead of doing the research and checking it out. And we live in an age where we have sadly sadly diminished who God is. You know, the real sad thing is that today many people have made themselves God of their life. Or they've created a the God out of something. Is it, is it money? Is it their, their house? Is it, is it their spouse? Is it their kids? Is it whatever it is? That they have raised up before the living God and they have put in his place. Or they, and I'm speaking to Christians now, have made God a lot smaller than he really is. In this case, being an imitator of God is easy. I mean, he's just this little thing. okay. He's not that big of a deal. What do you mean he created the earth? What do, you, what do you mean he holds all things together? What do you mean? No, he's just, it just kinda happened, you know, somewhere there was a a bang and, and over billions of years it just... So he's just kinda this little person. But if we really want to know who God is, then let's be still and sit before Him and see what He says. Because as we do, I believe with all my heart that we will realize His greatness. I believe that that there is absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing, absolutely no one that can compare to Him. It's just not out there. But as we spend time with him, as we are quiet before him, we will begin to see who he is. We will begin to see his greatness. We will begin to get overwhelmed. I mean, look at Peter in Luke 5.8. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Or how about John in Revelation 1.17? When I saw him, I fell at his feet as one dead. It's really about seeing God for who he really is. That leads us to call him Lord. That leads us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Paul says this in verse 1. Going back to verse 1. We're still in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly love children. Or another way you can put it is, imitate God since you are God's children whom he very much loves. We will also realize that when we understand that we are his children, and and when I think of myself being his child, I always go back to he chose me, he adopted me. He wanted me. It wasn't an accident. Oh, no, good. I got a child. What am I going to do with him? He wanted Gary. He wanted Jim. He wanted Lisa. He wanted Cheryl. He wanted Robert. He wanted all of us. He wanted us. When I think about that, it blows my mind. I become like John, where I almost fall down as a dead man. I become like Peter, where I go, Depart from me, for I know who I am. You know, it, it's kind of like when I was walking down High Street, you know, and I knew God wanted me to start this church down here, and I looked up into the sky and said, Do you know who I am? Stupid, stupid question. I mean, he knows me better than anybody else. He created me. See, we were his children. We were fearfully and wonderfully, that's out of Psalm 139, created in his image, which is out of Genesis 1. His spirit dwells within us, 1 Corinthians 3. We were raised up with him and seated in heavenly places with Jesus, which is out of Ephesians 2. All because he wanted us all because he created us and set us in a place and brought us into his, tr- his, his presence because of his transforming mercy and grace. And then moving on to Ephesians 5, 2, as we imitate God, which is in verse 1, then it walks us into verse 2, And it says, "And walk in love, as Christ also loved us and gave Himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God." I mean, what He did at the cross was a sacrifice, and yet to to God. I mean, think about this. Think about the Romans and what they did to Him, and the Jews and what they did to Him, and how hard it was, and yet it was a fragrant offering to God. Why? Because God knew that with that he was getting relationship with those of us who chose to follow Jesus. And that word love there is the word agape. And I love that word agape because this is not an emotional thing. See, that word means love is unconcerned with self. It's a choice not based on emotions. Now, Marie, I don't want to embarrass you, but you've been married 70 years. 70 years. Do you think she had to make some choices? Do you think it was always emotions? And yet, 70 years. God made the choice for eternity. For eternity. I'm sorry to, if I embarrass you, I'm sorry. but See, we can walk in this agape love, though. We can choose to love because of God's grace. We can choose to love because he first loved us and sacrificed himself for us. We can choose this kind of love to walk in it because of how Jesus loves us and continues to love us. I mean, think about what he did, all he went through, you know? I mean, we're in Lent now. I hope, just a little sidebar, I hope you all are having a great time praying in these prophetic words. I still have to send the one out for today. He chooses to love us because, and we become like this, and we can have the ability to walk in agape love because we begin to understand how God loves us and the agape love that God loves us with as we spend time with him. As we grow in our God and understanding of his love, then the desire within us will also increase, which, of course, will lead to understanding more and more and more who this God is, and how much He loves us. How amazing His love is for us. How significant it is that He made the decision to choose us, to adopt us, that He wanted us. Remember how we talked about being rooted and grounded in God several weeks ago? Well, likewise, we are rooted and grounded in His love. You know, it, it's the rooted, roots grow out. And, and so uh, when you think of rooted and grounded, it's like the roots of our, of our lives grow out and they start intertwining with Him. And the more that happens, the stronger it gets. It's easy to pull a little sapling out. I had some guys come to take out, a, uh, I think it was an elm tree And at the end of the day, he said, it almost killed us. Because it was such a huge tree to try and get out. God loves us. It's amazing. Ephesians 5, moving on to verse 3, Ephesians 5, 3. Now, this is the part where he gets a little uh, almost R-rated and getting into the vices. You know, like I said earlier about the process, we want to, part of the process is, is we want to make sure we don't walk into vices. But sexual immorality and in, any impurity or greed should not even be heard of, of among you, as is proper for saints. So, this closely parallels Colossians three five. Put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity. Passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. See, when he's talking about sexual immorality here, he's referring to any and all kinds of sexual intercourse that is unlawful. Impurity, he's talking about sexual intercourse between people that are not married. And greed, the word greed almost seems a little strange here. I mean, why is it listed with sexual sins? But But when you think about what Paul's talking about, He's really talking about central self-indulgence. So when you take that, greed is is central indulgence at the cost of other people, that it's all about you. Paul feels strongly that sexual sins of any sort, sexual sins of any sort, should not even be heard of among people who follow Jesus. Now Paul moves on to our mouths, our tongues, Ephesians five: four. Obscene and foolish talking or crude, crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. Remember, Paul's not the only one who addressed uh, our, our tongues. How about James and James three, four to six? Setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Kind of strong. But let's get back to Paul's thoughts on the tongue and the mouth. See, obscene, foolish talking and crude joking, which is he's really addressing here. You can only find this here in the New Testament. It's not anywhere else in the New Testament. And all three refer to forms of conversation. God wants our conversation to be pure. <coughs> I've seen talking, <coughs> excuse me, probably refers to shameful or shameless talk of every kind, <coughs> especially talk dealing with the sexual themes in a vulgar way. <coughs> excuse me, um, Foolish talking refers to profanity in the sense of silly or foolish or stupid talking. And crude joking refers to simply dirty jokes. (coughs) Don't do these, Paul says. Instead, when tempted, give thanks for your many blessings. in this thing this, between Lakato and T.D. And Jakes. They talked a lot about when you're tempted and things come to you, that the answer is to turn your face towards the Lord and think upon Him and His goodness and what He's done for you. That's where he comes into Paul with the thankfulness. Now, I want to make... Okay, moving on to five five. Sorry about that. For now, for no one recognize this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, I want to make this really, really clear. We've talked about this before, but he's not talking about people who are verbs. He's talking about those who are nouns. Now, what in the world am I talking about? He's talking about people that choose to live a sexually immoral, impure, or greedy lifestyle sin rather than follow Jesus. He's not talking about the verbs. Those who sin from time to time may do one of these things, but their life is set upon following Jesus. Though we sin, Paul is encouraging us not to sin. The sad thing is, and unfortunately, our flesh, which has not been redeemed yet, causes us to sin from time to time when we choose to follow it versus our spirit, which is born again. But those who choose to sin, Paul causes, calls idolaters because they do, they do not, because of what they do, they do not have inheritance in the kingdom of God. But those who choose Jesus in spite of their sin have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Moving on to 5.6. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. So empty arguments are words that have no truth in them. They're just people's opinions that have no value. They are filled with false information, with lies. Sin. God's saying then, in this case, the followers of Jesus don't let non-believers influence you. Now, I'm not talking in the whole scheme of things. I'm talking in in the, in the areas of where Jesus should be influencing you. We should always seek God's wisdom rather than the wisdom of man, the wisdom of this world. And I think that's sound advice for today. Verse 7, therefore do not become their partners. Like Paul is saying, it's like what Paul is saying here is, Hey guys, I just gave you great reasons not to partner with the heathen. Do not partake in the sin that Gentiles are saying or doing. Again, I think this is sound advice. I mean, one of the things I pray all the time is that the wisdom of God would fall upon our capital, D.C., versus the wisdom of man. And don't always believe everything you read in the paper or you see on TV use critically thinking applied with the Spirit of God. Do not respond to the sin that they're walking in, the worldly wisdom that they are walking in. But respond to God's wisdom. Because if you find yourself walking into fear, you're probably listening to the wrong voice. It's a good chance. I mean, after all, Jesus, the Bible, says somewhere around 350 or so times in various ways, do not fear. And the only way I know not to fear is to keep my eyes focused upon the Lord. I'm not saying ignore the press or ignore what the politicians are doing. What I'm saying is don't base your life upon the wisdom of man. Apply the wisdom of God to everything you hear. Second Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? See, the truth of the matter is light and darkness don't dance well together. One's trying to do the waltz the other one's trying to do the polka. And it just doesn't work. Don't partake in unbelief, in lawlessness, and darkness with unbelievers. I'm not saying cut off fellowship. I'm not saying they don't have wisdom. What I'm saying is apply God in every aspect of your life. Let what you hear what you see be filtered through our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. I mean why 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 not? Why should we do that? Ephesians 5, 8 and 9. For you once were once darkness, talking to the, to the Ephesians, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as the children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Paul's saying to the Ephesians and to us, don't do the things that we used to do. Do what God would have you to do. Walk in the wisdom of, of, of God. Walk in the light. Walk in the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and then allow the fruit to come, the, the, the goodness, the, the, the righteousness, the, the truth, I mean, we're born again. We're children of the Most High God. We're new creatures. We're holy. And I can go on and on, and why in the world would we want to tinker with darkness? Ungodly things. Don't play with sin. It's like playing with fire with a guarantee that you will get burnt. Let us walk as the children of God that we really are. And we will see the fruit that will come forward. The fruits of the Spirit is in Galatians. Uh, peace and joy and rest and, and and all the things that come with a relationship with the Lord. You know, I hope you guys are praying for what's going on in Ukraine. Okay? I really do. We need to be. But don't let it I was talking to somebody who is so fearful that they're afraid that this is going to spread to the US and they're going to die. Now, This is what can happen when you walk in fear. You make these giant leaps. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. But I know God's in control. And I know God's doing some amazing miracles over there. I mean, there's stories of how how missiles were coming in and then just exploded in the air. and, And just different things. Okay? But trust God. Believe God because what he says in his word is true. We just need to walk out who we truly are, the children of the living God. And we will see the fruit and it will come upon us. Because unlike darkness, light produces good fruit. Fruit that consists of goodness, It consists of righteousness, it consists of truth. See, turning into the light of Christ and following it causes people to do what is good and right and true. Now let me ask you a question. If somebody interacts with you and does what is good, right, and true, And then somebody else comes along and does things that's abusive, that's a lie, obvious lie, and it's wrong. Which one encourages, strengthens, and comforts you? I think it's the one that does what is good, right, and true. If anybody's here that prefers the other one, can you raise your hand so we can pray for you? Nothing good ever comes from the darkness of sin. And then moving on to the last verse. Um, If the worship team wants to come back up, that would be absolutely fantastic. Ephesians 5.10 Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. We're to test it. We're to test everything. We should test everything. Everything we do. Everything we come in contact with, everything we hear, everything we see, the test always being, is it pleasing to the Lord? Remember those old WW.JD bracelets and things? who Who here had one of those? Just me, oh there's okay, there's about half of us. It's still true today. There's nothing wrong with, okay, what would Jesus do in this situation? And ask him to, to speak to you and to guide you. Which, you know, as we do that, that means we, we, we need to follow the Holy Spirit who is sent to, to speak truth to us, to lead us and guide us in all truth. And we also means that it's very helpful to have a good understanding of what the Word of God says. Is it pleasing to the Lord, or is it sin? I think we all, would all agree, as followers of Jesus, that we desire to please the Lord. I mean, look what he did for us. Which means we run for the light and not the darkness. Because darkness produces such things as sexual immorality, impurity greed, filthiness, silliness, obscene talk, gossip, etc. Which we, at least I hope, we don't really want to talk, walk in. See, when you take this and some of the things we talked about last week, we don't want to be a people that negatively interact with others. I'm talking about all people. But we want to be a people that whatever we say, whatever we do, it encourages people. It strengthens people. It comforts people. It draws their eyes to the Lord. See, we are to walk as the people we are. The person who God has changed us into and is changing us into by his grace and his mercy the tongue can be a horrible weapon or the tongue can be an amazing source of encouragement it's our choice which one are we going to use it for we going to use it to tear down or are we going to use it to encourage to strengthen and to comfort i vote for b for encouraging strengthening and comforting amen so let's stand